My guy, E. Thatch. Eric Thatcher, what up, boss? Man, I'm just chilling, man, at the crib, you know, staying quarantined up. I mean, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you, man. I see you got that nice quarantine beer going on, man. You fool over there, bro. Man, you know, I, I rock a beard because I don't have no hair up here, so it's the only hair I got. But, man, it's getting out of hand. It's all all down my lip and on my face. It's just it's crazy. Bro, I'm with you, man. I'm with you, man. You see, I have a hat on uh, and because my hairline doesn't agree with quarantine lifestyle. So, I, so you your your body looks fresh though. Do you cut your own hair? Yeah, yeah. I shave it. Uh, I try to shave it every morning. Uh, take off on Sundays, but uh, I just start getting into uh, using a, a razor actually. And uh, I got this Gillette Skin Guard razor, man. And you know, I don't bump up. I don't get the goosebumps on my head. So I've been riding with. It. Oh, that's a win. That's a win. So how were you cutting before? Just regular clippers? Yeah, yeah. I had some bone. go to the barbershop, let the guys just shave me up at the barbershop, sit there, shoot the crap with the guys in the shop, man, you know. I'm with you. I'm with you. So what city are you in now? Uh, I'm actually, I'm up in State College right now. I run back and forth between Pittsburgh and State College. But uh, right now, at this moment, as we talking, I'm up here in State College, Peter. Dig it. Dig it. All right. So we're going to get into the reason why you're in State College. But I got a couple questions. We'll call them a warm-up question. Let We stretch a little bit. You know, being athletes, important to stretch and warm it up. So, right, sure. Let's do it. you got to make a decision. You can't straddle the fence here. One season, who you taking, Ed Reed or Troy Palumalu? I'm taking Ed Reed, man. Nothing against Troy, but uh, I always grew up watching the Miami Hurricanes when I was younger um, on TV. And I remember, you know, I used to tell my mom, how come I can't talk like them boys from the <laughs> South? You know? I know Ed Reed from Louisiana. Right. But, that swag and the way they played. I mean, um, and I've been fortunate enough too in my career coaching. I got to work with some some guys that played for the Hurricanes back when they was the Hurricanes and listening to them guys talk and seeing how they work. And Ed Reed, man, the way he operated on that football field was unbelievable, man. He would he could find the football anywhere. He could return it. Just he was just the man. He looked smart. All this all those things that you you know you were wanting a safety. So. Uh, I'm a ride with Ed Reed. Uh, I like Troy. Right. I used to watch Troy work at practice. You know, he'd get done. We'd be going on the practice field. Troy still be out there, but Ed Reed was just different. Yeah, different. They're both incredible, but Ed, Ed is something special. He may be one of the best to ever do it. He may be the best to ever do it at that position. Yeah. Now, he's legit Absolutely. like that. I actually have a, a kind of a cool Ed Reed story. I was at a an event actually in Miami. What is that? One twelve. Prime on 12. Mm -hmm. And yep. they had a reunion of University of Miami alum and also Florida State alum, those who went to the league because they were playing the next day, right? So it was a Friday night. The game is Saturday. So Ed shows up maybe 45 minutes after the event started. He made a point to say hello to every single person in that restaurant that was, that was in that group, that was part of the group. It was probably easily 40 to 50 people. Whether he knew you or not, he was just really humble. I mean, this is soon after he got inducted to the Hall of Fame. So it's just good to see those who have reached that high level, the pinnacle level, but still uh, just a humble person and somebody who's approachable. So I, I really I really admire that about him. So yeah, Ed Reed. I had, uh, I had a funny story with Ed Reed. So I got a buddy that uh, do a bunch of uh, clinics with him and coach with him and stuff. And 
I was telling my buddy, you know, man, I, I love Ed Reed. I, if you ever with him one day, man, put me on FaceTime, man. We always crack the joke. If you ever look at Ed Reed when he's smoking cigars, he let the ash get real long. <laughs> I call it an Ed, I call it an Ed Reed ash. <laughs> I was just so happened I was having a cigar that night. My boy called me on FaceTime and said, "What you doing?" So, I got my Ed Reed ash. Look at this. And next thing you know, it's Ed. He got his hat on. He's smoking on a cigar. He's like, what's up, man? And like, we had a straight conversation. Like right. He was just a cool brother down to earth, easy to talk to. Man, that's a great story. That He stayed with some cool hats, too. He stayed with some cool hats. Cool hats. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One thing, fun fact, Ed Reed, I think this was his junior or senior year, he led the Big, big East in interceptions and pass breakups. He had 10 interceptions I want to say 22 pass breakups. Any idea who was second in the Big East? You? Man, talk that talk, man. <laughs> I kind of stacked it back a little bit, yeah. though. You know what I mean? See the exactly, exactly, exactly. Your boy held it down. I had 6 and 18. <laughs> nice. I, I held it down. That's what's up. Got another one for you, bro. If you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? If you could bring back any fashion trend, what would it be? Man, it's a toss-up. Uh, I'm probably going to pick the tall tees and the Jabot jeans. Man, honestly, that's, it, it wasn't nothing like the Jabot jeans, man. You put them things on and they baggy right. on the top of your Air Force Ones. Put on a fresh white tee out the uh, gas station. Okay. Clean. <laughs> it was a cheap. Cheap little outfit. Right. You spent the sixty on the jeans, but you only spent two ninety nine on the white tee. It was a win. It was a win. <laughs> <laughs> the low white tees of the. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, I love yeah, it. The one pants leg up. That reminds me of. I feel. I feel as if L. Cool J really made that popular because he would peg yeah, that yeah. one leg. Yeah, yeah. I, man. I, I remember. You remember with the uh, the crisscross? You know when you wear your clothes backwards. Yeah, I remember all that, man. Cross colors, all that. All of that. that. And, and so, so with the uh, wearing your clothes backwards, I remember my cousin, who, who's like my brother, was six months apart. We were staying at my grandma's house. I remember coming downstairs. We had our clothes on backwards because we thought we were totally crossed out. My grandma said, I don't know where y'all think y'all going. <laughs> we, could, we could never go outside like that, man. We wanted to. We was trying, bro. It was a no-go, though. Yeah. You had to wait till you got on the school bus to do that. <laughs> you didn't go to school so your parents didn't see you. You get on the school bus, you turn everything around. Right. You, uh, what was that? The starter jackets or your pro player jacket? Turn that around. All that stuff back in the day. I love it. I love it. I got one more for you. So these two groups, these two names I'm going to mention, they're from your hometown. Okay. You have to decide which one are you most proud to say they're from your hometown. You ready? Okay. Yeah. We got Ken Griffey Jr. Mm -hmm. We have the Isley Brothers. All right. So you got you got two good picks right there. Uh, I'm going to be a little biased in this pick because uh, Ken Griffey went to Moeller High School. That's where I went to high school. So, um, you know, growing up or once I got to high school, you know, some of the teachers were still there when Griffey was in high school. And 
you know, they would tell you stories because, you know, everybody knew, you, you know, you were an athlete. So they would always talk about Griffey. Um, and then when he came back to play for the Reds, that was like, wow, like Griffey back in the city, like that was big time. But then at the same time, I mean, how can you turn down the Isley Brothers? I mean, that's old school, good music. Right Classic there. stuff. So, but I'm gonna be biased and say Ken Griffey Jr. because he went to Moeller High School. I can respect that. I actually didn't know he went. He went to Moeller. And he was from Cincinnati. Ain't know with the Moeller. Moeller has a strong yeah. tradition. And so, since we yeah, speaking yeah. about Moeller, talk to us about your hometown. Where you from? The Natty. Yeah. So uh, from Cincinnati, born and raised. Uh, lived in the Bond Hill area. For anybody to know that, uh, right off of 75 um, in the city, uh, probably. 10 minutes from downtown at the max um grew up there friends everybody mom dad was born and raised there um and then you know i went to molar high school from there that was just a decision i think uh my pops made that decision when i was probably didn't even think about where i was going to high school he wanted me to go there because um you know molar was a powerhouse back in the 80s 70s 80s and early 90s so he thought that that would give me a better chance to, you know, get my get my stuff kind of in line to be able to go to college and have an opportunity to play some big time football. So um, it was a little different, you know, definitely being uh, African American male going to that school. I think I might have graduated at the time with maybe about eight 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 African Americans in the class. So it was it was a huge culture shock. And, and a class of roughly how many? I think we graduated with about 200 kids wow. in our class. So that was, you know, it was a culture shock. It might have been 30 of us in the school. It's a thousand boys that go to that school. So it might have been a total of 30 of us from the ninth through 12th grade. So, you know, you can imagine the ups and downs of understanding. But the one thing that I think it taught me was, you know, how to be around different people, how to adjust uh, situations. And when things ain't always, you know, going the right way, you, kind of figure out a way to get past that or learn from that situation and i mean i still got some great friends from molar um great connections it's always nice i mean it was funny this year at the cotton bowl uh while working at penn state uh one of the guys on the cotton bowl committee graduated from molar in like 1964 65 wow i graduated in 2003 and we have a d lineman on our team at penn state that graduated in like 2013 or 2012 so it was like Three, three molar guys right there, and it was that, that was cool to be able to talk to that guy and hear how much pride he had in saying, you know, telling all his other colleagues that these guys went to molar like me. You know, that that was pretty cool. And that that cool. was, I think, that's the vision my dad had. And, you know, I appreciate it looking back on it. And then my, you know, ten years later, my brother graduated from there as well. And so, growing up, what sports did you play? Uh, growing up, I would play basketball, baseball, uh, ran track, and obviously, you know, I played football. Those were the three things that, uh, you know, I did, or four things, I guess, I did. Um, basketball was, was fun. I stopped playing basketball, I think, uh, in the eighth grade. I think I played like that summer. I didn't play in high school. I just played uh, just played football and track in high school. What events in track? Uh, I ran the 100, the 200, four by one, long jump. And then every blue moon, they convinced me to run that 400, but I ain't really messed with that. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that four. That four ain't no joke. That's a, that's a grown person's race right there. Goodness. You see some of these dudes as professional runners or in the Olympics that run those 400s and stuff like that, man. 
that race is different. And you get the noodle legs after you do it. You don't want to do nothing but just fall to the ground. <laughs> Quick witty. And so we talked about baseball earlier with uh, with Griffey. So what, what position did you play when you were playing baseball? So I played catcher and center field. Uh, my dad was a real good baseball player coming up. He played like, uh, you know, my, not minor league, but like the league, baseball leagues in the city. So I always went to watch him play baseball. So that was kind of a thing that I always did. I, but I, like I said, I played center field and catcher. Um, and, and then I used to just try to steal as many bases as I could. I probably needed to wear rec specs. I couldn't really hit that good. Okay. I was always looking for the walk. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, back in, back in the day, I wasn't going to put on the rec specs. You weren't going to clown me, so. I just strike out. <laughs> I hope to get a walk. <laughs> Bro, I had to wear those rack specs like the Horace Grants in middle school. It was the worst, man. It was the worst out there running. Now, I'm with oh, you, man. I'm with you. I wasn't going to do that one. <laughs> That's hilarious. Dig it. So, you excel in football, standout football player. What position did you play in high school? I played safety and then on the offensive side of the ball, I was kind of running backs, you know, slot receiver type of guy, just uh, try to get the ball in my hands. I had a little bit of speed, um, you know, back then I was a little bit faster than I probably am now or was even in college. And, uh, you know, I just like getting that ball in my hand and on defense. Um, you know, I was trained to just try to knock people out. So I just love being physical and hit people back then. I love it. I love it. I love it. And so you play well enough where you received a scholarship to play at the University of Pittsburgh. So you played at Pitt. What other schools were you considering before you made that decision to go to Pitt? Uh, you know, I was kind of one of those guys. I don't want to say I was a late bloomer, but I wasn't really on many people's radar. A lot of the Mac schools. But honest to goodness, man, I probably needed to go to camp going into my senior year, I believe. I probably could have got some more scholarships, but I really only had one scholarship offer, and official, that somebody put in the mail and said, hey, I'm giving you this scholarship offer. I had guys telling me this, telling me that, but to officially see the paperwork, um, Pitt was the only one that really, really believed in me, so, um, you know, that, that's what it was for me. So who recruited you from Pitt? Uh, Brian Deal was the guy that recruited me. Coach Deal. Um, you know, Coach Coach Rose was the D.C. Um, and the D.B. coach. And then, obviously, you know, Walt Harris was the head coach. But Brian Deal was the guy that I think, you know, stood on the table for me and really got me the scholarship offer and got me a chance to come to Pitt. So, you know, I'm always indebted to Coach Deal. I actually got to see him um, this past January, I believe it was. We just so happened to be in Nashville at the same time, in the same restaurant, looked over. It's here. I'm like, uh-uh, that's not him. I shoot a text. I seen him look down at the phone. I'm right. like, that's Coach Tito. <laughs> Ran over, gave him a hug, took a picture, all that stuff. You know, all the good stuff that you do to see an old coach. And that was around the the, uh, the coaches' convention that was in Nashville? Yeah, it that was the coaches' convention in Nashville for us. And he was down there. I believe he was there for a wedding. And like I said, we just happened to be, you know, everybody hang out on the uh, – that main drag, I can't think of the name of the street down there. I know what you're talking about. Everybody, yep. everybody hang, hang out right there. They got B.B. So Kings over there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget the name of that street. But, yeah, we all just have to run into them. That's cool. And so do you know Coach Dill is a golf coach now, a high school golf coach? Yeah, man, fitting for him. He's a high school golf coach. I think he might even did tennis for one point. But, yeah, he was a high school golf coach. He's living the life, man. He's a coach. 
ain't nothing like coaching golf. You just go play yourself. <laughs> that's a great job. I haven't played with him yet, but I hear he's an incredible golfer. Now, do you golf? Have you picked the game up yet? Uh, I, I played for a little bit. I probably haven't played in about probably two years now, but I can get out there. And I can hit one every blue moon. Not nowhere near you. I know you used to always try to get me to come play in Miami. I used to always duck you because I knew I didn't want to get out there. I don't want you blowing me out. You know, I'm too competitive. I get mad, start breaking clubs. Right, right. <laughs> we don't want that problem out there on the course. I'm with you. That was a wise decision. There you go. <laughs> so, so you went to, you set the scholarship to, to go to Pitt. Uh, talk about your your journey of being a, a student athlete there. Uh, so interesting story. Probably maybe a month and a half before I was supposed to go to pit, uh, I had a bad accident playing with my aunt one day. Ran out the house, uh, slipped on the in the foyer as I was going out my grandma's house. Slipped out the off the step, put my arm through a window. So I cut two arteries and a nerve in my right arm. So I'm getting ready, you know, I'm, I'm basically holding my arm on there, making sure it don't fall off the cut, go almost all the way around my arm. The guy uh, in the neighborhood saw me running up and down the street. He laid me down, kind of wrapped the tourniquet around my arm. So, you know, fast forward that, um, I end up gray shirt. So I didn't go to school that first semester. I ended up staying at home, rehabbing my arm, took some classes at the local community college. And then I enrolled in the pit in January. So I was I'm going to pause you right there. So so most people understand the terminology red shirt. Define gray shirt. So um, most people, yeah, you hear about like a red guy's red shirt. So a gray shirt is basically they push you back to the next class. So you still, um, you don't lose eligibility. Your clock basically don't start. You know, everybody's got five years to play four. Um, so it, it didn't start my clock. So I almost became what everybody's starting to do now as an early enrollee with the next class. So I was able to get a spring ball and a training camp, whereas that new freshman class, I believe it was Scott McKillop's class, if I'm not mistaken, Adam Gunn, Stephen Brinson, some of them dudes. Um, that class ended up coming after me or came in with me, but I was there before them. So a gray shirt basically just kind of push you back but it won't start your clock. Whereas if you redshirt it, the clock's starting and things is ticking. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Wow. You're talking about just a, a crazy accident. Yeah, it was, it was a straight freak accident. Like I said, it was, it was it was blood everywhere. It looked like the itchy and scratchy show. That's what I always tell people to describe it. That's because everybody can remember the Simpsons in an itchy and scratchy right. show episode within, it, within the Simpsons. So then... Uh, you know, I get there in January. I'm still rehabbing my arm, kind of starting to get used to it. It's different. You know, my wrist is backwards. I had two surgeries, so technically my wrist is backwards, um, as crazy as that wow. sounds. So went through the spring, you know, trying to get the learning curve, the learning plays, and learning the defense. And that was back, I think we were still playing that 046 Bear thing Coach Rhodes used to have with it strong safety up on the line of scrimmage. I'll never forget. It was like the first day of pads and Tyrone Gilliard, man. We was going through like I felt like it was a walkthrough. Man, Tyrone Gilliard came off that edge and hit that running back so hard. I said, oh, I so I said, this how you supposed to play? Man, country boy, Ty, Ty only know one speed, man. Ty, go. My guy from West Virginia. Yeah, 
And so, uh, you know, then, you know, things started going. That first year, I, like I said, went through a spring ball, went through a training camp, redshirted that upcoming season. Um, that next season was my redshirt freshman year. Um, I started playing a little bit in the dime package, playing on special teams, uh, got on the field with that stuff. And then uh, I think that spring is when it, when the light really came on for me. Uh, i never forget uh, we was in there going over film, and I had messed up. I messed something up. Or, no, I won't even say film yet. We hadn't even got there. This was in practice. Tyler Palco rolled out. I thought he was running a stretch play, and he ran that bootleg. I was in the backfield tackling tackling and running back. Tyler <laughs> rolled out, threw one deep over my head. It touched him. Paul Rose took his hat off. He threw his hat, told me to get off the field, said, You'll never play. You'll never figure this out in the film session. He going around the room. And, you know, after that, that light had kind of clicked. They mm. moved my boy Mike Phillips from corner to safety, a Warren Hardy guy. Warren Hardy, Warren G. Warren, yeah, Warren G. Hardy guy. They moved him from corner to safety. I think that spring, spring game, I might have got seven reps out of the whole spring. My mom there, my dad there, grandma, my brother. I said, never again will I let that happen. And I just started to dedicate myself to the game and trying to understand the study and asking more questions, talking to some of the older guys, how you do this, why you do that, talking to Tyler, why, what you looking at when you see it, say, how should I move, different things like that. And uh, my sophomore year, um, I got lucky enough to start that first game. I think Mike ended up, he was coming off his broke ankle from the year before when he broke his ankle in Nebraska. I think he might have rolled his ankle that Tuesday or Wednesday of the, the first game. And I remember Paul Rose coming in there on Friday when he gave out the Mad Dog t-shirts. He said, hey, stay, stay back. And I said, yeah, what's up, Coach? He said, you're starting tomorrow. I'm like, oh, my God. And I remember that night in the hotel down at the Hilton or whatever that hotel right, was right, right, right there on the water. I remember being in that room pacing back and forth. I mean, I'm sweating trying to go to sleep. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was so nervous, and uh, I got in that game, and I think maybe second or third play, I had to make a tackle on the running back. I hit him, boom, and I said, oh, this ain't nothing. Like, we just playing football. Welcome to college football. And then from then on, it, it was on, and then I had a big play in the game. Well, I didn't really have a big play. I had a big hit, but I remember looking over at Darrell Revis. Reed was like uh, – Virginia was backed up, and if they was backed up, they like to throw fades in the backed up area. And I remember Revis looking back at me saying, I'm about to pick this. I'm looking at this dude like, whatever, like, all right, bro, like, I got you. And I just remember him sitting that ball, that quarterback dropped back, sure enough, they ran fade. I remember running over towards that receiver. I just dove to hit him. I hit the dude. When I get up, all you see is Revis like walking in the end zone. <laughs> said, wow, there it is. Was right. There it is. There it is. There it is. Man, y'all had a strong defensive backfield. Yeah, man, it was it was some good players. I mean, you got to think about that team. They had, you know, Revis, a future Hall of Famer. H.B. Bill Blades played a long time in the NFL. Um, Clint. Uh, what's the name? Clint was Clint there? Session yep. was out there. Clint Session played. So, it was some good football players on that field. I mean, my, my other running mate, Sam Bryant, yeah. he was a solid player dealing with Sam out there. There's countless other guys that I'm sure I'm probably forgetting. Totally. Them kind of the names that people probably don't remember the most. Yeah, and so it's interesting that you brought up 
I think uh, early on, when they clicked for you, you started asking some of the older guys and even asking the starting quarterback at that time, Tyler Palco. And so that's speaking to, you know, the ports of being a student, a student of the game, especially at, at the safety position. You pretty much oftentimes like the quarterback of the secondary and sometimes even quarterback of the defense. So speak to the importance of being a student of the game. Yeah, man, you had you got to study. Um, and I didn't quite understand that. I mean. I was young. That was that was the first time I was on a going to classes where it was females in the class. You know, I just got done going to an all boy Catholic high school. Like that, like I wasn't thinking too much about football. I was ready to hang. Like, that makes I'm sense. Free. I ain't got to. And you know, when that finally clicked, um, in order to be a good football player, and you know what the great ones always talk about—the Peyton Manning, the Ray Lewis, the Air Reeds, the. Revises, all those guys talk about studying and understanding the game and trying to be almost one step ahead. And then, you know, trying to be the quarterback of the defense. I was lucky enough to play another couple years with a great All-American linebacker, Scott McKillop, who, I mean, that dude studied film like no other. I mean, you always walked in the facility and that dude was in the room watching film. So um, I just used to try to play off of him. I'd try to sit and watch some tape with him, see what he was thinking. And then I would let him know, hey, Scott, look, this is how we, this is how I'm seeing it. This is what I'm going to be thinking on the field. Hey, let's do it this way. Or, hey, when you say this, just know when you hear me say this, this is how we're going to probably operate on the back end. And uh, we was able to form a, a good duo, and I was able to be a good leader back there. And, you know, that's I, I'm I'm an energy guy, so I was always hyped and pumped up. And I think that kind of helped us in our secondary. And we, you know, we were solid. We wasn't Great, great defense, but we was we was really good, man. We was solid. You had Kennard Cox as well. KC was there with you. With you, all? yeah. KC yeah. was out there. I remember yelling at KC about stuff. Do the calming KC down because he was yelling at people, and you couldn't understand him because he had sixteen gold teeth in his mouth. That's that Florida, Dade County. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was the only one that could understand him. He was my roommate on the road, so me and him had a special bond that. It was I, I could understand some people might not and, and we actually worked summer jobs together every summer. So we'd be in freaking moving stuff on campus and Casey like, Come on, line up. Let me work on uh do some releases for my Casey and we work Oh no, man, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. Like, right, you know, but yeah, Casey was out there, like I said, Sam, Aaron Barry came in. Oh yeah, that is Adam, right. Adam Dunn, yeah. Um the guy. It's been some it's been some guys. It's been some you know, dogs that came through. Yeah, yeah. Dog. And so, so last thing at Pitt, what's your fondest memory at Pitt on the field? Whether it's a game, team, or individual? Oh, I mean, I think I got, I would say that my best time or the most fun we ever had was when we won that, that West Virginia game 13 9. 13-9. 4-7 football team going to play your rival. Kirk Herb Street, everybody in the world said, Pitt can't win this game. You can't do nothing. We go into Morgantown. Um, they would think they was ranked number two in the country. They get this win. They go into playing a national championship. And it wasn't nothing like spoiling your, your biggest rival's chance to go to a national championship. I mean, they had Steve Slate, Pat White, Owen Schmidt, uh, Marcus Reynolds. They had a they squad. Had a squad. And to go down there, and we spotted them two points. We gave them two because we took the safety at the end of the game. I think we missed two tackles on the whole night. It was just, and they they took maybe three touchdowns away from Shady. So, um, you know, I think that that's probably 
you know, some of the best, the best moment I could, one of the best moments yeah. I could say. It's, it's plenty of other things that was fun, but to go down there as a four and seven football team to win thirteen and nine in that type of atmosphere and what they had on the line. Like, I'll never forget that game in my life. That was huge. I, I believe I was living in Atlanta. I remember watching it, screaming and jumping up and down when y'all when y'all brought home the victory out. That was, that was big. That was big. And and so let's fast forward. Uh, let's talk about what you're doing now professionally. It's kind of interesting tying in. You were talking about, you know, the importance of study and being a student in game. That has helped you now, your career as a as a coach at the collegiate level. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. let's talk about how did you get into it? Is this something that, that you knew you wanted to get into, coaching, the coaching side of things? No, nah, man, I, honestly, I, I, I wanted to be a firefighter um, in college. You know, I said if I wasn't going to make it to the NFL, I was going to be a firefighter. I said, you know, I figured the lady liked to do the uniform. So I said, you know, being a fireman, I'm going to stay in shape. Like, <laughs> right, right. Job. You was gonna be on that camera. Yeah, I mean, not the camera, the calendar, the calendar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be good. You know, I'll be good. And, right. Uh, a, a buddy of mine, he was uh, coaching at a Division three school in Pennsylvania, St. Vincent College, and he was like, "Hey, man, well, would you like to get into coaching? Won't you come out here and help us out?" That's where the so Steelers said, is. That where the Steelers practice? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's where they do their uh, preseason camp. Yeah, and actually, the GM. Uh, Colbert, uh, Colbert, his, this is, I worked for his brother, his older brother, and his, his uh, nephew, Brett wow. Colbert. That was world. Kind of got, got me into it, and, uh, you know, I started one year, and one year led me going back to Pitt as a GA, and next thing you know, I'm 10 years in the game, and I ain't looked back, you know, so it was just one of those, hey, let me go check it out, see what it's like. And then I just fell in love with it, and it, it was a good opportunity just because you get to give back. I mean, you're around football still. You're not giving that up. Um, you know, you make some sacrifices with it on the other end, but it was still being around ball, and that was exciting. Yeah, and so talk briefly about the transition uh, of, of the college coach career because oftentimes – you know, whether it's a good season or the season not as well, who knows if they bring the entire team back, the staff back. So like that, that's a lot to balance. Um, you have you have a beautiful family as well. So talk about talk about the coaching lifestyle that people may not see. They see you all on the sideline. They may know about the recruiting. But what about give us a little glance and look behind the scenes of off the time that transition uh, that that comes with the coaching profession? Yeah, man, the coaching life is a it's a up and down roller coaster. Um, you definitely got to have you know if you got a family, you definitely need a, a strong woman on your side to be there and be able to kind of take care of home when you ain't there. Because I mean, it's some days where you might work a fifteen hour day, or you might leave the house at five in the morning. You might get home at nine. You ain't contributed anything as far as helping the kids with homework or picking somebody up from school. It's not like I can roll over and say, oh, I'm going to take this day off to go take my kid to the doctor's office or, you know, but uh, so that that process is a little bit of an up and down thing. The same thing you said, too, you know, our livelihoods count on uh, 18 to 22, 23 year old men to produce on the football field. And if they don't produce, they get the opportunity to come back. I don't. They may say, hey, I got a clean house. And, now you got to walk into your household and say, hey, look, uh, 
they go today, not not something I did, but hey, I got let go today, and now I got to go, you know, figure out another coaching opportunity. And I mean, it granted, coaching profession it's a big circle. You know, a lot of guys are able to kind of bounce around, but when you're a young guy, you know, you're trying to find your own. So it, it, it can be a little difficult. It can be a little stressful. If you see them ball, you ball. <laughs> It, it can be a little stressful, but overall, the excitement seeing, um, you know, a guy that you recruited, seeing him come in as a freshman, seeing him grow, develop into a man, walk across that stage with a degree and a couple championship rings on his finger, that's what's, that's what's rewarding about it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you're currently at Penn State, Big Ten Conference. How has that experience been for you, coaching there? Yeah, so um, I'm actually – you know, I deal with the recruiting side of it right mm-hmm. now here at Penn State and um, still involved, you know, not as much as the coaching round, but um, recruiting and helping those guys find players. Which and is huge. It's been, it's been fun. You know, it's been different, obviously. Um, it's funny to me, you know, a lot of guys be messing with me, busting my chops because I'm a big guy working at Penn State. But to me, uh, when I was in school, we didn't play Penn State. I didn't even really talk about Penn State. I, I didn't even really know much about them. And now it'd be different if I went and took a job in West Virginia. Then I think people should be looking at me like that's fair. I could take you out. That's fair. But, you know the the Penn State thing uh, has been a great opportunity. You know James Franklin and Andy Frank; those guys gave me an opportunity to come here and be a part of this, and it's been good. You know it's fun dealing with the recruits. It's fun being out there watching those guys play, and you know kind of how we was talking a little bit earlier. It's a di- different atmosphere up here as far as the fans and having a stadium on campus and being in a small town, not being in a big city where, you know, if, if college ain't going on here in State College, it's kind of blocked. But, you know, once game day comes, this becomes the third largest city in the, in the state of Pennsylvania. That's incredible. Over 100,000 people show up. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the only people up here that don't like Penn State football are the cows because they got to move all those cows out of here so people can have places to park. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So. That's how, like, yeah. something like a lot of probably Penn State folks say, and so you're becoming ingrained in the culture. That's how, like, something like, oh, people yeah. haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah, all right. So, That's fun. Cool. It, it was a good, good year. Um, you know, we played in the Cotton Bowl, we won the Cotton Bowl. Um, had a really good record, um, so it, it, it was fun, you know, just being in a different different side of it, being on the Penn State side, seeing the trash they talk about the pit people, listening to the pit people talk trash, like the game we played, it was just like when Pitt and Penn State played, I'm just like sitting there like, uh, like you sit right in the middle, yeah, like, like hey, yeah, like, uh, like what do I do? I was going to stay there, like, you're right. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that part definitely is but it's, it's been fun it's been a good experience um definitely helped me out you know for the future of my career definitely definitely i mean that's huge to have that part of your journey part of and on your resume and so yeah and, and and that makes sense though the rivalry is not as strong for you because west virginia w- was the backyard brawl so when i played yeah. it was penn state and west virginia it would be great if 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 uh if Pitt played west virginia and penn state every year that's probably wishful thinking uh, and so, mm-hmm. so, so I had that that Pitt Penn State rivalry in there, but it actually has softened softened a little bit because because of the work of Orange Arrow. There's been a number of Penn State folks who have stepped up to help out from Kajana Carter 
Bobby Ingram's a supporter. And at the highest level, Franco Harris has really been opening up his the doors and supporting and his network. And so transitioning as we're closing, Orange Arrow. Uh, why is our mission important? The mission of coaching student athletes to aim for success off the field. Why is that important? You've been a supporter for a while. Uh, when you were GA in that pit, you would come and, and, and speak with the young student athletes. So why is that important? Yeah, man, uh, the Orange Arrow thing, that I remember probably like right when you first kind of getting this thing kicked off, I think it, it's huge because for one, for us, the older generation are giving back. You know, giving back to these young young kids, educating them, um, not worrying about if they black, white, Asian, whatever. It's just giving back to the community, helping the younger generation to make it better for us. And then for the athletes, as being a student athlete, you know, contributing and helping back with you. You know, I know you get a lot of the student athletes to come in and help you do some talking and stuff like that. It teaches them, you know, that, hey giving back is something positive, helping the younger generation. You never know what kind of bond. Uh, I know, for example, the one guy that I, I that kind of sticks out to me that, that you always used to have around was Isaac Bennett. Yep. You know, Isaac Bennett giving back. You know, he still may have a relationship with one of those kids from back in when he played at Pitt, and that guy's probably still out in Oklahoma now. He is, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, them, them different things uh, I think is so huge and big in the community that a lot of people don't don't tend to do that and that, that's that's where I like Orange Gerald the most of the older generation giving back to the younger generation but also the younger generation teaching the older generation different things and now you equipping these younger kids that may not have these opportunities to know what it's like to use a certain fork at a dinner or be prepared for an interview or different, whatever it may be, or be able to go talk to a multi-million dollar person because you're nervous. You know, maybe now with the Orange Arrow, now you got a little bit more confidence. You know, when you throw the ball around and you start raps and you do stuff that make you uncomfortable, they see that, hey, Sean Rob doing this, he uncomfortable, but he making it fun. I can do that. You know what I mean? I don't have to be uncomfortable, just be myself tell people I am and then things will you know go down the right path so that's why I'm so you know so supportive of Orange Arrow obviously you know you my pit brother too so I'm always going to support that but the positivity of it the way that it connects people uh, in different different demographics different backgrounds that's big time man that's that's what life is you got to be able to talk to people that don't look like you that's different from you that's got more than you that's got less than you Everybody, you got to make them feel the exact same. And I think Orange Arrow starts that at a young age for these kids. Man, that's awesome, bro. You summed that up so nicely. I, I need to type all that out and put it on a T-shirt or something like that. But but you get it. You totally get it. And, again, I appreciate your continued support. Thank you for your time. I know it's the evening. You got a lot of responsibility as being a coach. So I'm going to let you ride out so you can spend time with your beautiful family. Thank you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Let's see if I can get my boys over here. Come here real quick. Eli, he ain't come here, Easton. You got my youngest one, my oldest one. Your youngest son gonna come say hello. My youngest one to come over and say what up real quick. Come on, boy, hurry up. Uh, what up? Just wave. I got my earpiece in. So What's up, boss? Young- Good to see you. <laughs> What's your youngest son's name? That's uh, my youngest son. His name is Easton. Uh, he is two. He'll be three on the sixteenth, and then my oldest son, his name Eli. 
He's uh, nine years old. Awesome. Well, 10 to 13 year olds, that's Orange Arrow. So we're going to get them with some of these virtual engagement, a summer academy. Boom. We're going to recruit them now to be part of the Orange Arrow family. No doubt, man. I definitely appreciate that. And uh, definitely going to get him into it because he needs it. <laughs> My man, appreciate you, Thatch. All right, man.